All right. Well, now we're going to turn to this morning's scripture reading. In today's scripture reading, we're going to hear a passage from the Hebrew scriptures, a passage from the book of the prophet Jonah. Now, this is just a little part of the story that Pastor Christie told just a few moments ago. Today in our scripture reading, we're going to pick up the story in that moment when Jonah, who is running away from God, is in a ship in the middle of a great big storm. All of the sailors on the ship are convinced that, that this storm must be the punishment or, or an expression of the wrath of some angry God. And finally, Jonah fesses up. Finally, he admits that he is running away from his God. The God who made heavens and earth, God who created land and sea. And listen now as Russ McMartin tells us what happens next in the story of Jonah. John 1, 11 through 17. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Well, here we go again. Each January, we begin our new year of worship at Court Street United Methodist Church with our annual Faith at the Movies sermon series. Faith at the Movies has come to be one of my favorite Court Street traditions. Each January, we go to the movies together, we popcorn together, we laugh together, we cry together, we send the pastor cranky emails about how the Star Wars movie was too loud or the Spider-Man movie was too confusing. We look for God's face in new stories. We listen for God's voice in unexpected places. Faith at the Movies has become one of my favorite things about being a pastor at Court Street United Methodist Church. And I am more than a little bummed out that we won't be able to go to the movie theater together this year. On the other hand, I am so excited about what we have lined up in worship for the next three weeks. Now, starting this Sunday and for the next couple weeks, we are going to look at three movies in our Faith at the Movies at Home sermon series. Now, we encourage you each week to watch at home one of three movies that were chosen by this year's three confirmands, Anna, Grace, and Emery. And we hope that you'll ponder the stories and, and think about the movies and ask yourself, where do I see God's face? Where do I hear God's voice in this story? And then on Sunday morning, we're going to get together online and we're not just going to hear my thoughts about the movie. We're also going to hear from Anna and Grace and Emery. We're going to hear from them why they love the movie they chose, where they see God's face, where they hear God's voice in the movie's story. I'm so excited about the worship that we have lined up for the next three weeks. And I'm excited today to get things started off with a movie that has become a modern classic, the Pixar movie called Finding Nemo. 
Now, Finding Nemo was chosen for us today by Anna McMartin. And Finding Nemo has been around long enough that I suspect that most of you, maybe many of you, have seen this movie more than once. Maybe you've seen this movie so many times that you've got, that you've got the story memorized. Now, this week I asked Anna why she chose this particular movie for us. I asked her if, if maybe she could remember going to this movie in the theaters when, when she was very young. And this is what Anna had to say. No, Finding Nemo came out in 2003 and I was born in 04, so I can't really see it in the theater, but it was just probably just always on. I liked the adventure of it. Dory always made me laugh. So Finding Nemo was released in 2003. Anna was born in 2004. And what that means is that to this year's Confirmands, Finding Nemo is not just a classic film. It's also an old classic film. This is a movie that they grew up with, a movie that they've watched over and over and over again. Maybe you've seen this movie multiple times as well. Maybe you know the twists and turns of the story. Maybe you can even, even say the lines as you're watching the movie. Now, for those who may not be as familiar with it, let's do a little bit of a recap of what happens in the movie, what the movie is about. Now, this movie, Finding Nemo, begins with a moment of, of tragedy and disaster. And that moment of tragedy and disaster leaves a, a clownfish named Marlin as a single father tasked with raising his, his son, Nemo. Now, Marlin and Nemo live on a reef in the ocean surrounded by lots of other fish, and as the movie begins, we see that that moment of tragedy and disaster and trauma has deeply affected Marlon. It's influenced who he is and how he lives his life. Marlon has become an anxious fish, a cautious fish, a fearful fish. He's protective of his son Nemo, maybe a little too protective. Marlon is determined that nothing is going to happen to his son, that no tragedy, no disaster, no danger will ever come close to his son. And so Marlon keeps Nemo close at hand. He keeps a close watch over his son Nemo. But of course, as Nemo grows older, he begins to chafe at all of his dad's rules and restrictions. Nemo doesn't want to stay close at hand. He doesn't want to be watched over. He wants to see the ocean. He wants to experience adventure. And so one day, Nemo does something reckless. One day, he swims out a little too far, and he's captured by a scuba diver who takes Nemo into a boat and across the ocean to Sydney Harbor, where Nemo is dropped in the aquarium of a dentist's office overlooking Sydney Harbor. And this is the beginning of a great adventure story. Through the rest of the movie, we follow Marlin as he swims across an ocean, determined to find, determined to rescue his only son, Nemo. One of the great joys of this movie is watching as Marlin encounters strangers and even makes friends as he makes his way across the ocean towards his son. Now, Marlin doesn't make friends easily. He's suspicious He's quick to believe the worst about people. He's quick to see the worst in people. Marlon has a hard time trusting strangers. And yet over and over and over again, as he makes his way through the ocean, Marlon is forced to rely on the kindness of the strangers he meets. Now, it's true that, that the ocean is filled with danger and predators, but Marlon also discovers that for every danger he encounters, there are a dozen kind-hearted strangers who are willing to lend a hand and help him along the way. 
Marlin keeps encountering kindness and grace in unexpected people in unexpected places. That same thing happens to the prophet Noah in this morning's scripture reading. In today's scripture reading, we have a passage from this book of the prophet Jonah in the Hebrew scriptures. We've already heard this story a couple times this morning. By now, it should be familiar to you. And the story goes like this. One day, God speaks to the prophet Jonah. God says, Jonah, I have a job for you. I want you to go to the city of Nineveh. I want you to speak to the people of the city. I want you to tell them about my love. Tell them about my forgiveness. Call on them to repent of their sins and turn towards me. But Jonah says, no. Jonah says, I don't want to go. I know all about the city of Nineveh, God, Jonah says. I know all about the people who live there. I know that they are non-believers. I know that they worship idols. I've heard all about the wickedness of the people in the city of Nineveh, and I don't want to meet them. I don't want to go to them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want you to forgive their sins. I don't want to go to Nineveh, Jonah says. And then he gets on a boat. He hitches a ride on a ship that is headed completely in the opposite direction. Now Jonah's about to discover that it's not so easy to run away from God. As that little ship is sailing in the wrong direction, a mighty storm begins to rage. And the ship is tossed and turned until all of the sailors on board begin to believe that this is no ordinary storm. They come to believe that someone must have done something that made some God awfully angry. And finally, Jonah fesses up. Jonah raises his hand and says, It was me. I have disobeyed the God who made earth and sea, heavens and sky and all the waters in the world. And the sailors in that moment do something surprising. Now Jonah expects that when he comes clean, the sailors are going to turn against him. He expects that they'll be angry. He's sure that they're going to tear him limb from limb in order to save themselves from this God who seems to be so angry. But instead of doing that, these sailors, these non-believers, these worshipers of idols, these people who sail the seas and have a reputation for doing all sorts of wicked things, these sailors surprise Jonah by choosing instead to show him kindness. The sailors rally around Jonah. They say to Jonah, we will do everything in our power to protect you. We will protect you from the sea. We will protect you from the storm. We will even protect you from this God whom you have angered, even at the cost of our own lives. The sailors rally around Jonah and then they battle the storm and they hold on tight and they're tossed about on the waves until finally Jonah says, enough. He says, listen, I appreciate your help. Thank you for your kindness. But the time has come for us to admit that we can't win this. Just throw me overboard. Toss me in the sea and let's be done with this. Jonah pleads with them to throw him into the waters. And so finally, the sailors reluctantly do that. They toss him over the side of the boat. And as he sinks into the waters, Jonah is swallowed up in the mouth of a mighty fish. Jonah encountered kindness and grace in the very last place where he expected to find it. Among strangers who he didn't trust, who he didn't love, who he was quick to believe the very worst things about. 
Those people became for him a, a gift from God, a sign that God was with him even as he was experiencing a storm from God. He found kindness in unexpected places and the same thing happens to Marlin as he makes his way through the ocean. Over and over again, he experiences kindness and grace among sharks, among turtles, in the form of a cheerful blue fish named Dory who becomes his friend and his companion. Do you know what the name Dory means? I suspect that the animators and story writers at Pixar Studios know exactly what the name Dory means. The name Dory literally means gift from God. Dory and the other strangers Marlin encounters as he makes his way through the ocean become to him a gift from God, a sign that the world is not as broken, the world is not as dangerous, the world is not as dreary as Marlin had always assumed it was. I love this part of the story. You and I are living in a moment when we collectively together have been through a great trauma, a tragedy, a disaster. And in this moment of anxiety and fear, it would be so easy for us to become cynical and fearful. It would be so easy for us to withdraw from the world, to close ourselves off to others to associate only with the people we know already love us, and to harden our hearts towards strangers. This is exactly the sort of moment when we need stories like the one we see in this week's movie. Stories that remind us that for every danger, for every predator in the world, there is a dozen examples of strangers who will show us kindness and grace floating around all around us. I hope that this story might soften our hearts a little bit this morning on this day and this moment when we are tempted to harden them and close them off to the world and to others. Now, if this were just my sermon, if I were the only one preaching the message this morning, that's what this sermon would have been about. It would have been about the grace we find when we encounter strangers and discover that, that we can find kindness in the most unexpected of places. But of course, this isn't just my sermon and this isn't just my message today. I wanted to know what Anna saw, what she heard, what she felt when she watched this movie. And it turns out that Anna was drawn to a different mo moment in the movie, a different part of the story than I was. As Anna reflected on this movie, she was drawn to a moment that came just as, as Marlon and Dory were about to complete their journey. There's a moment towards the end of the movie when Marlon and Dory have traveled across the ocean. They've survived all sorts of dangers. They've escaped from all sorts of predators. They've gone as far as they can possibly go on their own power, through their own will and resources. And even so, it's not enough. They know that they're close to the end of their journey, but they find themselves somewhere near Sydney Harbor with no idea of which direction they should go. They're lost they're at the end of themselves. I'll let Anna tell you what happens next. Marlon didn't really know what to do next, and he was just really frustrated. And then this whale comes by, and Dory thinks that she can speak to the whale, and he doesn't believe her. He's like, no, like that's dumb. Like Don't do that. And they end up getting swallowed with a krill. And so they're sitting in the mouth of the whale. And again, Marlon has completely lost hope. He's 
trying to hit the whale to get it to let them go. And Dory's just sitting there trying to talk to it and being like, let us go. It's gonna, like, we don't need to be in here. And then some time passes. Marlin has given up. The water is draining out. And all of a sudden, they get blown out. And then they land in Sydney Harbor, which is where Nemo was. So I compared this movie to um, Jonah and the Whale because Jonah disobeyed God because he refused to be a prophet and went on a voyage instead. And so his crewmates decided that the storm was caused by his disobedience and they throw him off the ship. And later, three days later, he was vomited back onto dry land, which was God like giving him mercy being like, it's okay, you made a mistake. And this is comparable to when uh, Marlon, who was, he carried doubt throughout the whole movie that they were ever going to find Nemo. You know, this was the end. This like was the worst case scenario. The whale represents God in these situations because it shows his mercy and forgiveness. And it's just him saying like, it's okay. It's all going to be fine. Like you made a mistake, but you're, you're okay. So it's kind of like the same thing. Like they both ended up where they needed to be, even though they made mistakes along the way. Just like in the story of Jonah, Marlin and Dory are swallowed up by a giant sea creature that takes them to a place where they could not have gone, where they would not have gone if they had been left to their own resources, their own power, their own will. I asked Anna, what is the message that she takes away from this movie? What does she feel when she has, has watched this movie? And Anna said, well, it's like this. She said, there are moments when we come to the end of ourselves. There are moments when we have gone as far as we can go on our own power. There are moments when we find ourselves lost, moments when we go in completely the opposite direction of where we're meant to be headed. And in those moments, she said, it helps to remember, it helps to believe that God is real, that grace is real, that in this world there are powers so mighty, so vast that they are beyond our comprehension. And when we reach the end of ourselves, when we can't go any farther on our own power, when we're lost, when we're making mistakes and headed in the wrong direction, that higher power can scoop us up and turn us straight and take us where we're supposed to be. Now maybe you've been feeling a little bit lost. Maybe you've been feeling at the end of yourself. Maybe you've been feeling like, like for some reason you've been headed in the opposite direction of where God intends for you to go. If that's so this morning, then I hope you hear in this story, I hope that you hear in our worship what Anna heard in this week's movie. I hope that you hear and I hope that you believe that God's grace has brought us safe this far and that same grace will lead us home. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for finding us when we're lost, for carrying us where we cannot go on our own power, through our own abilities and resources. We give you thanks for the strangers who show us kindness along the way. Help us to remember that we cannot complete the journey without one another. And God, when when our community and our friends and our legs have taken us as far as we can go and we still haven't reached our destination, we pray that you would swallow us up, 
that you would carry us the rest of the way, that you would bring us home. In Jesus we pray. Amen.